Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Hunter Story. Lord, here's a generation of people that are just watching you, Lord, because we know that you are the best thing. So Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise for, for what you're going to do. We believe that you want to speak so much into our lives. So, Lord, I just pray that as we open up your word, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, that you would speak new truth to us, that you would teach us something different, and that you would lead us into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful that we get this opportunity to worship you. We're so thankful for the story that you've given us, and we're so thankful that you've brought us into this kingdom family. Now, we are children. We are sons and daughters of such a good father. We love you. We love you. We love you. And all the people said... Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Can we give it up for the worship team one more time for leading us so well? Amen, amen, amen. I'm so thankful uh, for them. If you notice, there was someone new on stage tonight. That's my new friend, Bailey Lawson. And so, Bailey, we're so thankful to have you here tonight. He's a student out at Barry. So I encourage you to take some time to get to know him tonight, and you're going to see a lot more of him. And thank you guys who who just always leads so, so, so well. I'm so grateful for you. You guys are such a gift to us, our whole team that makes tonight happen from the bottom of my heart. I love you. I love you. And we love our community. We think we have something super special here. And so we're so excited that you've gathered here uh, with us tonight. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to Romans chapter 12, one of my most favorite passages in all of Scripture. And I think there's some powerful things for us to learn here tonight. I, growing up, I played baseball pretty much my entire life. And just like any sport or any game, it's, it's, it's a thing of highs and lows. You have good moments and bad moments. But, you know, it's like, just like almost in any sport, like the low moment is like a, like a low, low moment. You know what I mean? And so um, the, one of the most, I think, embarrassing things that can happen in baseball is when, like, for instance, if you're playing outfield and someone hits a pop fly to you and it's like a routine pop-up and you just drop it. And you just, like, it just hits the ground in front of you. Like, that was an easy out. And, and you just made, what, what do they call that in baseball? An, an error. That's not a good word. No one likes that word. It's just a mistake. That's all that means. And, and even if you're hitting, you never want to get on base. Are there any baseball players here? I know there's, like, a, I know there's a couple. Yeah, so we have some baseball players here. You know, like, you don't even want to get on base by an error because all that means is you got on base because someone else made a mistake. Am I right? Am I correct? I mean, you'll take it, but it's, not, it's just not quite as cool as just getting a base hit. And, like, an error, I just think, is the most embarrassing thing that can happen. Just, like, it's just as bad as striking out almost because this was an out. Your team was dependent on you. And you made an error. You made a mistake. And I remember when I was growing up and playing, like I, I could be having one of the best games of my life, but if I made an error at some point in the field that let my team down, I felt like I, I blew the game, if, especially if we lost, especially if a run scored because of that. And, and it, just, it just haunts you, that, that word, error. Like, I made an error. I made a mistake. And in saying that, maybe that's not a great attitude to have while you're playing a game, but I, I certainly believe it's not a great attitude to have as the people of God. And I think the, the honest reality for many of us tonight is we've walked into a place like this and, and, and we see where, man, I think God just made some mistakes. Like I think God just made some errors when he was creating me and when he was gifting me and when he was cultivating me into the human being that I am today. Maybe he made an error. 
Or maybe he made a mistake because I don't really see my potential. I really don't see where God is, is leading me. I don't see where I'm really all that good at a lot of things. Like I have a couple of talents, but they're kind of, they're kind of like baseline and they're not better than anyone else. And I, like I'm pretty, pretty much just average. And I think the reality is that so many of us have walked in tonight. And if we could put a label over our head, that label would be error. When in the, the reality is what I think God wants to show us is that we're not an error, but we're an arrow that Jesus is launching somewhere to the world because we actually do have gifts and we do have talents and we do have skills and we are good at a lot of things. And I think the Word of God wants to kind of show us tonight how each and every one of us is gifted for a, a specific task and a specific purpose. And that takes us being very obedient to, to walk in that, to trust God in that, and that He wants to show us by the power of His Spirit maybe what our talents really are. So we have to get out of this mindset that we're an error and start believing that we're an arrow. And if you don't know what that means, um, an arrow is, is, is who we are. We're in this series right now called We're All Arrows. And so what an arrow is, is an arrow represents our story. And we, in, as being an arrow, are someone who's being launched to the world with the powerful story of Jesus to tell the world about the treasure that we found. And so we started the series uh, the very first week talking about how arrows carry a name. And we don't need to be so concerned with where we're going, but we need to be concerned with what are we taking with us when we are actually sent and we were actually launched. And so the first thing we had to get behind was the fact that arrows carry the name of Jesus well. And then Blake did such a good job last week. Thank you, Blake, so much for, for teaching so well on the idea that we have to, if we're going to be arrows that are sent, that we have to aim somewhere, that we have to, have, we have to be zoned in on a target, and we have to be moving in a certain direction, and that our preparation has to come before our placement, before we can be shot into the world, that we have to be prepared to share the gospel with people. And so that leads us to another aspect of the arrow tonight, and tonight's aspect of the arrow is the arrowhead. The arrowhead is connected to the shaft of the arrow, and in that, it's what the arrowhead represents is it represents our spiritual gifts, the gifts that God has given us to reflect his goodness to the world, and those are connected to what the arrow is, which is our story, and once those are connected, they can be sent out so that Jesus can use us in a mighty and a powerful way. So we have many different arrowheads. Is, is anyone maybe into archery or into like bow hunting at all? Because if so, you might know a little bit more than me, but I do understand that there's very many types of arrowheads, um, that that's like a real thing, that not all arrowheads are the same. And so there's several different types of arrowheads, but what's, what's important about arrowheads is that the, the arrowhead or the projectile point is the primary functional part of the arrow, and it plays the largest role in determining its purpose. Like, that's a legit definition. Like, I didn't even have to make that up. But how cool is that, that with what we're talking about and what this says about an arrowhead is that it is a primary functional part of the arrow and plays the largest role in determining its purpose. So what that says about us, if the arrowhead represents our gift, is that our gift plays the primary role in where we're going to end up one day. So that's why it's important for us to be in tune to what, what am I good at? What has God gifted me to do? What has he put inside me and what has he cultivated me with so that I can show his goodness to the world? But like I said, there's many different uh, types of arrowheads. Um, there's something called the bodkin point. I hope I'm saying that right, but it's a short, rigid point with a small cross section, and these arrowheads um, are made, of, made um, of unhardened iron, and they may have been used for longer or better flight. So that's a specific arrow. I'm not making this up, but there's, something, there's an arrowhead called a blunt, 
And uh, the blunts are unsharpened arrowheads occasionally used for types of target shooting. So no one wants to be one of those. You know, it's just used for target shooting. So you don't want to be that type of arrowhead. There's a judo point, which they have spring wires extending sideways from the tip. These catch on grass and debris to prevent the arrow from being lost in vegetation. So these are used for practice and uh, for small game. There's a broadhead arrow, and these are used for war, or they were used for war, and are still used for hunting today. There's target points, which are just bullet-shaped with a sharp point, and they are designed to penetrate uh, targets easily without causing excessive damage. There's field points, which are similar to target points, and they have a distinct shoulder so that missed outdoor shots do not become as stuck in obstacles such as tree stumps. There's safety arrows. There's many different types of arrows, and, and I, we could be extensive, and it could get on your nerves about the different types of arrows and all of their different purposes, but they, they represent on the arrow just what our gifts represent from, for us is that each and every one of us have a different type of spiritual gift, or different gift in general, that God has given us and equipped us with so that we can show the world about how Jesus has changed our story. We just sang this, sang this song that Jesus changes everything. And if that's your story tonight, then your error has to be lined up with that and believing that when your gift connects with the fact that Jesus has changed everything about your story, that connection between those allows that arrow, you, to be sent out to the world again, to tell the world about the treasure that we have found. And I know the reality is, is that for many of you, like I mentioned earlier, is that you don't believe probably that you have a spiritual gift because, in fact, there's people that just share the gospel better than you or there's people that love better than you or there's people that show mercy better than you or there's people that just serve better than you serve. And so you're thinking, man, I really don't have that special of a gift. But the reality is what Scripture says is that we are all equipped, that we all have a gift. And, and the reality is, is that this is just a crazy, uh, crazy fact to me. Scientists have found that, there's, that um, in human DNA, 99% of it is identical. Like tracing back to the fact that there was like one man who kind of started this whole thing. And so it kind of lines up with, with what the Bible said. But in that, what that means is that means there's 1% of you that's different from every other person on the planet. And so God, in all of his creativity and in all of his brilliance, only needed 1% to put inside you to make you gifted differently, to make you completely different than every other person in this room and every other person on this planet. So your gift, while some of you probably share the same gift tonight, the reality is, is that you don't share it in the same way and you don't express it in the same way. And that God has given us all a, a gift, a free, gracious gift, of how we can particularly share the love of God to the rest of the world and Paul uh, gets to mentioning this um, in Romans. But I think it's important that we understand why do we have gifts or how do we get gifts? And they're simply an overflow of God's character. If you look uh, bef before verse 12, I love what Paul has to say about God. This is considered a doxology, which just means this is a praise towards God. And he says in Romans 11, chapter, or Romans 11 verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. I love that. That while some of us might have walked in here tonight and we believe God does not have the resources to change the situation or circumstance, what Paul has to say is a lot different. That, oh, the depths of the riches of God. That God is not limited to, his, to resources tonight. He's not limited on funds tonight. And why, while some of us may think that our gift just hasn't been cultivated or God hasn't given us enough for our gift to be effective, God isn't... He's not holding out. He's not, he's not withholding anything from you because he's lacking. He's not lacking anything. He, he actually he owns everything. There's nothing that, that God doesn't look out on the world and, and say, that, that belongs to me. That's mine. 
And so he's not limited in resources tonight. Maybe we need to be a little bit more faithful in believing that God is cultivating a gift in us. But then he also says, not only owe the depth of the riches, but owe the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And I wonder how many of us have ever sat down to pray to God before and said, God, you know, you should really probably make my gift a little bit better because then I could share the gospel with somebody. Has anyone ever done that maybe? Or I could be the only one who raised my hand, but we'll say, God, maybe if you made me a better communicator or maybe if you allowed me to love more or maybe if you allowed me to serve better, then, then I'll start putting my faith into action and then I'll start using my gift the way that you want me to use my gift. And the reality is, is, is we'll, we'll say things like that to God and try to have conversations like that with God. And the reality is, is that God, he knows everything. He knows when he's going to cultivate that gift in you. He knows how he's going to cultivate that gift in you. And we just need to be patient to allow God to work that out in us. But I, I love what he continues to say. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. For who has ever known the mind of the Lord? Or who has ever been his counselor? But yet, do we not try to be God's counselor and say, hey, God, I really think you should probably move in this direction, or I think you should do this. Who's ever counseled God? Or who is, this is, this is awesome, who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? So these gifts that God gives, they, they overflow out of, out of his character, out of his goodness. They just, they just overflow because of who God is, because he's, he's so rich, because he's so deep, because he, he owns so much. When he gives us a gift, it simply is just a, an overflowing of his nature and of his goodness and of who he is. And so we have different many different types of gifts, the, and we're going to talk about three gifts specifically tonight. The first gift is, is the gift of common grace, the gift of common grace. The gift, have you ever noticed how there's people who don't love Jesus, but it seems like they're just as happy as you are? Anyone? Yeah? Have we? That's, that's called common grace, that God would say, you know what, I'm still allowing you to enjoy life even though you're not following me. And just think of, think of how beautiful it is. Did anyone go out to eat with family or friends this weekend? Probably most of us went out to eat with our family or friends or spent some time eating around family or friends. How beautiful is it that God would say, I'm going to allow you to go out, spend time with friends and family, eat good food that tastes good, that has rich flavor, to drink good drinks and to enjoy good company and maybe order a dessert that kind of, that kind of soothes you afterwards. How gracious is it that God would, would use that as a gift and allow you to enjoy that just because he's good? He doesn't even require anything from us for that to happen, but maybe he just says, you know, I want you to enjoy good food, so I'm going to give you something to eat. I'm going to let you enjoy a good meal with good people, and you're going to share stories, and you're going to laugh, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna tell jokes, and you're going to tell each other about your dreams and your desires, and that's all, that's all in the area of, of a common grace gift, that we don't... We don't have to do anything to receive that gift, but God simply gives that out of his overflowing abundance of, of, of goodness and grace. And so those are the gifts of, of common grace. These gifts demonstrate the depth of God's beauty. So these are the things, like I said, that, that simply we just get freely because God is good. So he gives us these gifts, but why does he allow food to taste good? Because he wants you in your mind that when you taste that food, you say, this is just an example of how good that God is. Or we get to, when we get to enjoy company and when we get to enjoy fellowship, that's just a representation of how good God is, that he would allow us to enjoy good things that are on earth. That's grace, and that's a gift that God freely gives to us. Why? Because he wants you to be reminded of his goodness. Gifts always reflect the goodness of God. 
And so those are the gifts of common grace, things that we just get to enjoy because God freely gives them and he wants us to, to, to find delight in the things of earth. How beautiful is that, that God loves us enough that he would say, you know what, you can take this thing that isn't as good as me, but this is going to be a representation of who I am. Those are the gifts that we have that are just of, of common grace. And, and that falls under the fact that God, God can give those because he owns everything. He can give us gifts of, of good food and of good company because he owns all of that. It's because he knows everything. It's because God can be glorified in everything. He closes, Paul closes that doxology before chapter 12, and he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. So what does that mean? That means everything that God has created, everything, everything we see, touch, feel, and experience that God has created is supposed to point back to the fact that God is good. God always gives gifts that reflect his goodness. And so gifts are always made to reflect the goodness of God. But then... More specifically, what we're going to talk about tonight, there's spiritual gifts. So there's gifts of common grace, but then there's also spiritual gifts. And if you'll flip over to um, Romans uh, chapter 12 and look, in, and look into verse 3, we'll read there for just a second. But have you ever noticed how that when we give a gift, it's a reflection of our love towards somebody else? Does anyone like to give gifts? Like That's kind of like your love language. You enjoy giving gifts. Anyone like to receive gifts? All of us, no matter what, we like to receive gifts. Callie Glass, she loves gifts, so why don't someone get Callie a gift after this uh, tonight? But gifts are always a reflection of the love that you have for somebody else. Is that true? So like when you get your best friend a gift, you don't just give them a gift that is just a good gift. You give them something that, what, they're going to enjoy, that you know that they want, that you know that they're going to use. Like I, when I pick out, me and my brother always get uh, Christmas gifts for each other, so when I pick him out a Christmas gift, I usually get something that I'm going to like, you know, because just not because we're going to share it or not because I want it, because I'm just going to give him a gift that I like. But I, I see what he likes. I know what he likes. I know what he's going to wear. I know we give gifts. A lot of times we give gifts because maybe this is wrong because we know like they're going to brag about it. So like I'll give my brother a gift that he's like really proud of. So he'll tell the rest of the family that like, I got him this really cool gift. Do you guys not do this? Is it just me? Am I the only one who does this stuff? Maybe I'm selfish. I am selfish. But um. When we always give a gift to someone, it's a reflection of our heart towards that person. And so when God gives you a spiritual gift, what he's really saying is, is I see your potential. I see what you like. I see what you love. I see what you enjoy. I see what you're good at. And I'm giving you something that's going to that's gonna complement all of those things. It's going to tie all of those things together. I'm giving you a gift so you can show the world how good I am. That's gracious. That he doesn't make us tell the world about his goodness on our own, but he gives us by the Spirit a gift to do that. And so when we get a spiritual gift, when we recognize what our spiritual gift is, what that is is simply God saying, I see what you like. I see what you enjoy. I see what you could be good at. So I'm giving you this gift so that you can tell the world about the treasure that you have found. And so there's different spiritual gifts. And Paul has a, a few things to say about all of these spiritual gifts. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So the first thing we see is that we don't need to boast in our gifts. Unfortunately, in our culture, some gifts are just highlighted more than others. And so some of us, we have gifts that they're seen a lot more. But the reality is, is that all of our gifts are on the same playing field. They're on the same 
level. They're all given by God. None of us did anything to earn our gift. We were simply given that gift by grace. And so when we're looking at what our spiritual gift is, we need to stop trying to work for it or try to make something that's not our spiritual gift our gift. I think one of the, the greatest ways we can be ineffective is when we get involved in doing things that God never really intended for us to do. Does that make sense? Like, if your gift isn't teaching, you just don't need to be teaching. And just because a lot of times teaching gets, gets kind of highlighted in our culture, that doesn't mean you have to do it to, to show the world how good God is. You simply have to find your gift. What are, what are you good at? What do you love? And isn't it so cool that God gives us gifts that, and he connects those to things that we're, we're good at, things that we love things that we want to spend time doing, things that we want to get better at, and he gives us a gift according to, to who he's creating, creating us to be. So the first thing Paul wants to say is don't think more highly of yourself just because your gift looks a little different and might look a little better than someone else because the reality is none of them are better than anyone else's gift, and, and we didn't do anything to earn that. But then he says something important. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having, having, gifts, yeah, having gifts that differ according to the grace God has given us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So what he says here is that you need to know that that for as we are in one body, we have many different members, and the members don't all have the same function. So while many of us probably do share similar spiritual gifts, the reality is most of us probably don't share the same spiritual gift, but that's important, because why does God give us these gifts? Because he is building these gifts to exist for the team. And when we realize that we're a community of people, that we're working together for the same goal to tell the world about Jesus, we have to know that our gift is not to boost us up or to lift us up in our culture, it's to, it's to exist for the team. The team's important. Ephesians 4, you don't have to flip there, but in verse 11 through 12, and it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So our gifts go so that we can benefit the team. So when you're looking at your spiritual gift, don't say, how can I be highlighted in our culture by using my spiritual gift to tell the world about Jesus? Say, how can my spiritual gift just add to the team? How can I be a, a part of the community, a part of the team, by adding my spiritual gift to the team? I think it's important where he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The reality is, and, and kind of the idea that I see here in Scripture is that if you don't use your gift, you could possibly be prohibiting someone else from using their gift. And so when you're not growing in your spiritual gift, you're preventing someone else from growing in their spiritual gift. And so that's hurting the team pretty bad. And so that's why it's important for us to find, what am I good at? What has God gifted me to do so that I can tell the world about Jesus and, and get better at that gift? Because he's, he's given you this gift so that you can add to the team because gifts exist for the team. And then he lists these, these different gifts, and maybe you identify with some of them. The idea of prophecy, this really has the idea of if, if you have the gift of prophecy saying you can kind of discern what is, what is true, what is true and what is accurate. There's the gift of service. 
Some of you, that's probably your spiritual gift that what you can do is you can serve other people very well and you can serve the church very well. And that's your spiritual gift. You need to act in that and run in that. For some of you, some of you are probably incredible teachers, but you're so afraid of talking in front of people that you're not getting to use your spiritual gift. I would bet that so many of you are probably brilliant at teaching the Word of God, and you need to do it because it's your gift. It is your spiritual gift that God has given to you. There's a gift of encouragement. Some of you, I know some of you in this room because you use your spiritual gifts to encourage me. Some of you, your gift is encouragement. And you can come right alongside someone and you can encourage them to walk in the ways of Jesus. You can encourage someone when they have a bad day. That's, a, that's an incredible gift. And our community needs that gift. If, you're, if you have the gift of encouragement, use the gift of encouragement, the gift of gener- generosity. Maybe none of us have this gift yet. Maybe because we don't have the resources to have this gift yet. I don't know, maybe not, but I, I believe that some of you, you just have something in your heart that wants to give. And maybe you don't have a lot of money or a lot of resources, but when you do, you say, I want to be generous. But it's not only being generous with money, but are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your help? And so some of you, you have the gift of generosity. You just gravitate towards giving to other people. If you have the gift of generosity, use the gift of generosity. Some of you are natural leaders. People, I I see this in so many of you, people automatically follow you. And you don't even realize it. And you don't even notice it. But people just tend to gravitate towards you and they just want to follow you. Some of you have the gift of leadership. What should you do? Use that passionately. That's what it says. Use it with zeal. And then some of you have another incredible gift. This is my mom's uh, spiritual gift without a doubt. The gift of mercy. That is definitely my mom's spiritual gift and I see that. And some of you have that. You have the, the gift of mercy. You can show mercy towards others very, very well. And there's a ton of other spiritual gifts. Um, 1 Corinthians mentioned several other spiritual gifts, but the one thing that all these gifts have in common, all these, spirit, all these spiritual gifts have one thing in common. They're cultivated by the Spirit. They're grown by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 5-7 says, And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God, by his spirit, has placed something inside you that you are good at, that you, are, you have the desire to do, and you need to use that because the spirit is trying to work that gift out in you so that that will connect to your story, so that your story can go to change the world. I live by this motto, and so many of you, if you're my close friends, you've probably heard this motto because I really try to live by this motto, but the motto is, if you got it, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got it, you got it. And that can go towards any other aspect of life. But if you got it, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people just have it, right? And I think I started to say that because I hope I have it. But, you know, if you got it, you got it. And the same is with our spiritual gifts. You've got a gift. So you've got it. So use it well. A huge part of our spiritual gifts are being good stewards of our gifts. Just like if your mom gives you a gift for Christmas, you try to use that gift to show your mom that, wow, I'm really appreciative of that gift. Am I right? Maybe. Hopefully that's, hopefully that's what we try to do. We try to use that to show the other person that we're thankful for that. Why do we not do the same with the gifts that God has given us? So many of us are so talented. We have these incredible desires to change the world, and God has given us the ability to do that, but we're just not using what he's given us. 
And we're not showing anyone that God is good because we're not anywhere in tune with what our spiritual gift is. And what God wants to say is when your spiritual gift connects with your story, you become an arrow, and then he is able to send you out into the world to tell someone about how good he is. He gives these gifts to show that he is a good father. So we have the gifts of common grace. We have the gifts that are the spiritual gifts that are specific to each and every one of us, but they exist to to boost up and rally the team together. But how do we get the full effect of our gift? This is super important. You will never experience all of your gift until you give up all of yourself to God. You will never experience all of your spiritual gift until you give up all of yourself to God. So if there's the goodness of God that we see at the end of Romans 11, the fact that he is, he is deep with riches and wisdom and knowledge, but then there's the spiritual gifts. There has to be something that connects the goodness of God and, and the gifts that he has given us. There has to be a connecting piece, and there is. And it's the passage, or the couple of verses that we, we skipped over, and there's these two verses hidden right here that I think connect the two ideas of the goodness of God and our spiritual gifts. And this is what Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore. That word, therefore, like I've said this many times, it basically means because of what I just said, now this. Because I said this, now this. So it's connecting the passages together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So some of us, we're trying to worship God by having these really cool gifts. And what God is saying, if you really want to worship me, give up yourself. Give up yourself. Do not be conformed to this world. I love this. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this is what, this is what happens. This is how this plays out. When we give up of ourselves to God, we're never going to get our gift until we say, here I am, God. Here I am. Cultivate the gift in me. Make, me give, make my gift effective. Here, here I am. Here's my heart. And then what happens in that is it starts to get starts to go from our hearts into our minds, and then all we can think about is this idea of surrender. And then surrender doesn't just, it's not something that just happens in our heart, but it becomes something that happens in our mind, and that's when we're transformed by the renewing of our mind because we're continually thinking, God, how can I give up more of myself so that other people can see how good you are? That's how, that's how the process works, that we first have to give up of our heart. Then when we give up of our heart, we start to give up of our mind. And we don't start to think about the things that we were thinking about before. We start to think about the things that are holy and acceptable, like it says. Give up yourself. You'll never experience the full effect of your gift until you give up yourself. And the reason so many of us don't have our gift in full effect right now is because we're holding on to pieces of ourselves. We're holding on to Friday nights. We're holding on to Thursday nights. We're holding on to that relationship that we know we have got to let go because it's not showing the world how good our God is. And we start to hold on to these pieces of ourselves. We don't want to give them away because we don't know what's going to happen when we start to give those things to God. This is kind of what happens. What it says here, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What are the next two words? Holy and acceptable. And the reason so many of us don't have a gift that's in full effect is because we don't have a life that's in holiness. This, we don't have a life that's pleasing to God. And so what we have to do is present ourselves to God. And when we present ourselves to God, what he does, he starts to make us holy and acceptable. 
just because we give him our heart. He starts to teach us what is true, what is lovely, and what is pure. And we get to start to live in that because what takes place in our heart starts to move to our mind. And we begin to be transformed by this renewal of our mind that says, God, here I am. Make me useful for you. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. When you get it in your heart and it starts to move to your mind, you're going to see you're going to see very, very importantly what God's plan is for your life. And as we're asking God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? You're going to know it when you start to surrender. When you say, here's my heart. Let what you're saying to my heart get into my mind. And when it gets into, my, gets into your mind, you're going to know, who does Jesus want me to go talk to today? How does Jesus want me to serve him today? How can I use my gift to be better today? I'm about the worship team. They're going to come back up. Like I said earlier, a huge part of gifts is making sure that you steward them very, very well. Don't completely miss the fact that God has given you an incredible gift. But here's the, we mentioned two gifts, and we have to close with the last gift. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because the greatest gift that God has given is not the common gifts of, not the common grace gifts, and it's not the spiritual gifts. The greatest gift that God has given you is the gift of himself. So why do we give all of our heart to God as a living sacrifice? Because he gave all of his heart as a living sacrifice. And when he came to earth in the form of his son Jesus, he gave up all of himself. And how do we know that? Because Philippians 2 said that he emptied himself the idea of emptying himself means that he gave literally everything that he, have, he had to his father and said, Father, I don't, I don't know what this is going to look like. Actually, he knew what he, it would look like, but he said, God, I know this is going to be rough. I know this is going to be painful. I really don't want to go through it. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he still says, Father, what is, what is your will for my life? Here I am. Here is my heart. You can do whatever you ask because I know that what you're going to do is going to be so good for your people and so glorifying to yourself. And that's the gospel, that Jesus emptied himself for you by dying for your sins where you missed the mark. Jesus said, I'll die for you. I'll be the sacrifice for you so that you can have a relationship with, with my father. And, it, and through that relationship, we begin to see that everything we were created for is to glorify God and everything that we do. But he didn't leave us alone in doing that, but he gives us gifts and he gives us grace to show the world how good he is. And so for some of you, you just need to come around to believing the gospel, that God loves you enough that he's saying you're not an error while you have made plenty of mistakes, but I'm trying to make you into an arrow. And I'm trying to launch you and send you to the world with purpose and with passion to show everyone that you talk to the goodness, the character, God. These gifts overflow out of who God is. There's the gifts of common grace, things that we get to feel, touch, see, and experience that show us that God is a good, good father. There's the spiritual gifts that God has given you to cultivate and develop in you so that you can begin to show people directly that our God is good. And there's the gift of God himself that says, I love you. I care for you. You belong to me. 
And the greatest way you can glorify God is not by trying to make your spiritual gift better, but it's by simply surrendering your heart to say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you because maybe for the first time I see that you are what everything has always been about. Gifts. Didn't have to do anything to earn them. They were simply given to us. Because God says, I want you to know how good I am, and I want your friends to know how good I am. And when that gift, when all those gifts start to connect with your story, you're going to be an arrow. And God's going to send you so many places with the fire of the gospel to be the light of the world. And I just see this so well. I see a community of so many different people right here with so many different gifts, so many different desires, so many different talents. And one day, maybe four or five years from now, the world's going to be lighting up because the people of God said, here's my heart, Jesus. Do whatever you want to do in my life. You can have your will. You can have your way. And what gets in our hearts is going to start getting in our mind. And we don't begin to think about the things that we want to think about, but we think about the things that Jesus thinks about. And what does Jesus think about? He thinks about that person next to us. He thinks about that the other friend in our group. He thinks about our roommate. He thinks about our sweet mate. He thinks about our teammate. He thinks about our classmate. He thinks about our coworker. And so we're going to say, God, here's my heart. And he's going to give us a gift. And then we're going to be able to tell the world about Jesus because he's equipped us by the grace of God. But it starts with us saying, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I'm not holding on to my own things anymore. I'm not holding on to my own thoughts anymore. I'm not holding on to myself anymore. But God, you are better than I am. God, you are more gracious than I am. God, you, you, are, you are so good. And so here's my heart. Have your way. And he's going to give you a gift. To show the world how beautiful that he is. And that he is that everything has always been about Jesus we love you we're so thankful that we get to worship you tonight and we're so thankful that you've given each and every one of us a gift so that we can begin to show the world just how beautiful you are just how great you are so Lord our eyes are on you and we surrender our lives to you Lord and we see a community here that's that's turning our hearts towards you that's turning our minds towards you saying and Jesus have your will have your way in our lives, on our campus, in our homes, in our dorms. Jesus, you're what everything is all about. And so we just simply give you your breath back.